Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Annie Botticelli today, who is a wonderful life coach. You can check out her website at www.aspiritualspark.com. Com. Annie is also a paleo advocate and also uses it with her clients. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you, Elle. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad for you to share your experience with us because you had a little bit of a long road to finally discovering that ultimately your diet was sort of accidentally paleo and you've been helping your clients achieve some great, great success with it. So tell us about your food history and how you even came about becoming paleo. I love it. It's such a, such a, um, an emotional journey, you know, and it started out when I was a teenager. And at the time I made a decision like many teenagers do that I do not want to eat animals. And so when I was um, 15, I decided to become a vegetarian. So within a month of making that decision, I broke out with the worst cystic acne. Mm. And at the time, you know, it seemed like, well, maybe there's a relationship, but I was a teenager, so they kind of chalked it up as hormones. And then I started eating meat again, and it, it was a little bit better, but it had kind of erupted something. You know, I kind of thrown my body off tremendously. And so then fast forward into the future. And of course, at the time, then I took like, you know, heavy drugs to deal with that, like Accutane and right. things, oh, you yeah. know, better at the time, you know, um, and it cleared up. But then I had all kinds of other symptoms that I now know was gluten allergy. So what kind of symptoms were you experiencing other than like the cystic acne? What else did you have? I had recurring earaches from the time I was very small. Mm. I had digestive problems. I had trouble sleeping. Um, I had be- some behavioral things that would come up. And we never knew that it was related to gluten and sugar, really, also. So then as as I got into my 20s, some of those symptoms had shifted. I didn't have any problem with my skin, really, just occasionally. But I would always have something going on. You know, it was just like they were symptoms of inflammation. I didn't know that at the time, but all of the ways that inflammation can show up, I would have this problem. And so at that time, I started going through a very deep uh, spiritual journey. And I had always really wanted to be a vegetarian. And I was, I would flirt with it. You know, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, I think we all have. <laughs> yes. I really just, really, my soul wanted it so badly. And, but whenever I would, um, switch over to that type of diet, I would get really sick. So in my twenties, I started waking up and it was suggested to me by some of my spiritual teachers that my consciousness was not matching my diet. 
And I was eating just like pizza and fudge and just like <laughs> not any consciousness to my, my, what I was putting in my body. And so I was hearing everybody say, oh, you're, you know, you have to eat a lot of whole grains, right? That was like what, what healthy people did was you right. a lot of whole grains, switch over all of your white. First step is switch over all of your white foods to whole grain foods. So I did that in my late twenties and I went into something called celiac sprue, you know, Ooh, which is a horrifically painful, um, intestinal situation with inflammation and pain and just every kind of problem. And it was because I'm allergic to gluten and I can't, and great, I can't, don't tolerate grains. So here I'm trying to be more healthy and I wind up getting more sick. And I know that there are so many people out there and I actually tolerate white flowers and white sugar more than I tolerate anything that involves more, you know, because sure. my body, because there's more gluten in the whole grain than there is in the, in the process. So I figured out, okay, then my skin started acting up again. So there is this, all of these things. So I, I finally dropped grains. And did I, you do that instinctually? Did you read something about it? Or did you just kind of know after each time you ate it, it was a problem? Like, how did you determine that you needed to cut out grains? It's a wonderful story. I, I meditated basically nice. I had asking. Yeah. You know, I had been, I had been asking for the answers and they had been coming to me, but I was not ready for the, the lifestyle change that it takes to switch over to this type of diet, especially at that time, because now there's more support for it and the consciousness is, is changing. But totally. at that time I wasn't ready for the social implications and the familial things. And, you know, I'm Italian and they don't understand that. My family does not understand. I just a really quick, funny story to, to illustrate this. I was visiting New York and some of my relatives, my biological father's up there. And I had a friend who was a vegan at the time and we went to dinner and he wasn't eating the cheese. And my, my father was staring at him the whole time. And I was like, God, what is he staring at him for? And then the next day when he called me, I thought he was checking on us on our trip. He didn't say hello. He said, why doesn't he eat cheese? <laughs> the first thing out of his mouth. Yeah. The first thing out of his mouth. So like, never mind if he wasn't eating the pasta, that would, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a, it involved a lot for me to let that go. And so even though the signs had been coming in, I wasn't really ready for that. But one day in meditation, it became so clear. And then I dropped, I dropped gluten then, and it's been almost four years since that happened. And, you know, here we are now over time, I came to see that corn would have the same, I would have the same responses to corn, even quinoa. Yep. I have gluten responses to quinoa, what I would consider a gluten response to quinoa. Well, that's right. And I, you know, recently interviewing Eli Rohde, who was a former vegetarian as well, quinoa is the same for her. So even though technically it can be considered a seed for some, et cetera, versus a grain, it is does have anti-nutrients and can affect people. And I do know people like you and my friend Eli, who when they eat quinoa, it, it, they get the same kind of reaction, inflammatory reaction that they do when they eat grains. So I'm assuming you're, you got the same reaction. Yes, I did. And it was very clear. And now within 24 to 48 hours of my intaking something, sometimes accidentally, you know, sure. I really purposely take in those things. But if I'm out somewhere occasionally, you can like clockwork, I'll get like a welt under my chin. 
Mm-hmm. And now they don't stay for eight weeks like they used to when my body was, you know, so sensitive and just overreacting to everything. They'll go away more quickly. But it's a very, very I have my body is very sensitive. So I have a very easy barometer for how foods affect me. And I'm I am finding that I am not the only one that's having this. I'm not unique well, in this. Way. And I want to share with all the listeners too who can't see you right now that you actually have the most beautiful skin. Your skin is so clear and radiant. I mean, I can't even imagine that you ever did have welts. So, I mean, your skin look, it's beautiful. Thank you. It's the amazing um, healing capacity of the body when we give it what it needs to just do what it's supposed to do, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so let's continue on. So then four years later, you're doing well. Is there anything else about the experience leading up to that you'd like to share? Or should we move on to how now you sort of spread the word yourself with your clients? There's one piece in there that is really important because I feel like a lot of myself, for myself and many people that I work with, a lot of the hesitance to moving into a primal or paleo diet is the animals. Right. They don't want to eat the animals. And this has been my big sorrow of my life that I've just come to accept that I'm not, some people do actually they are on a vegetarian diet and it works for them and different bodies, sure. you know, react in different ways. My body is not one of those bodies and it's been very, very sad for me. So, um, I had a big aha moment about this when I was pregnant with my first child. Um, and I was, I wanted to do a natural delivery. I wanted to do it without drugs. I wanted to do it out of the hospital with a midwife and, they were monitoring my blood as they do when you're pregnant, just to make sure that everything is safe. And there are certain standards that they have legally that if certain numbers go below where they need to be, that you can't have a home birth. Right. So at the time I was eating a lot of um, red meat because I knew that was, or I believed that that was good for the baby and my blood, but I didn't want to, you know, so I would, I would slack. Mm-hmm. And we would see that when I would slack, my numbers would go down. And it got to the point where my midwife had to like kind of shake my shoulders and look at me and say, Annie, do you want to not eat meat or do you want to deliver your baby out of the hospital? And I came down to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting choice most people aren't presented with. <laughs> yeah, right. So I was like, really? Oh, gosh. You know, so I decided that I wanted deliver my baby out of the hospital. And I was meditating on this and I was meditating with a painting. Um, it's called someone that someone painted and I don't think they painted it for me knowingly, but they did at the time it was supposed to be for me, you know, and it's called Indian chief. And it just has deep indigenous wisdom that emanates from it. Um, so I was meditating and the Indian chief started talking to me and he was, um, talking about the Buffalo. And then the Buffalo came and talked to me. And I, I was like, Whoa, that's really cool. You know? And the Buffalo was explaining to me that there is a wisdom behind the energy of sacrifice that an animal provides for the better of the whole. Now, indigenous people don't waste meat. They don't they're not gluttonous with it. You know, I mean, historically. No, they use every part of the animal as well. They, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they do it with great reverence and they eat only what they need and they, they spread it out for, you know, they, that's just how they do it. They do it with great consciousness. And so he was explaining to me, the Buffalo was explaining that 
eating the meat with the consciousness changes the vibration of the meat. And that if you feel good about the path that you're on, that if you know that what you're doing is going to help the whole world, because whatever we do to help humans actually helps animals, helps plants, helps the whole ecosystem. So he was explaining that as long as I know that I am doing everything I can to get the word of truth out to as many people as possible with it was sharing how to, the, you know, just the, the rules of the world, the laws of the universe, that I'm using that energy as fuel, that my body needs to be healthy and vibrant. And when I'm healthy and vibrant, people are more likely to listen to what I have to say about the truth that helps them. That's right. <laughs> right. And you know, one of the things I love about paleo primal everything is the attention to properly raised animals, properly treated animals, which is, you know, not a part of the whole grain fed mass cattle, you know, lots we see, it's a different consciousness, right? Not only do we not want to eat an animal that's ingested grains, because it's going to throw off our fatty acid profile, but that's a sick cow. Cows aren't meant to eat grains. So you know what I mean? I don't want to eat an animal that's, you know, you don't feed a horse a steak. That's just right. So, you know, I do love that attention. And as a result of that, there's so many more options now with grass fed and, you know, properly pastured animals allowed to roam free and live a better life. The consciousness is also feels better on my end that I'm purchasing from these people and continuing to support that. Absolutely. And that's exactly what the Buffalo was saying. (laughs) You know, it's like, we're here spreading the word about this. And what is good for one is good for all. What is really good for one is really good for all. So I learned a tremendous lesson there and it has helped me, you know, when I see other animals and say, gosh, well, I'm not going to eat my dog. Why would I eat, you know, my (laughs) starts to do these things. And, and I understand now. And it was a great lesson for me. Let's talk about some of your, you're a wonderful life coach. I've experienced your coaching myself. Um, I'm also a coach, but you know, as you probably know, coaches need coaching. Sometimes you've been Wonderful. I love your approach. You do have an in-depth background in astrology, but you uh, you use it a little bit, but you are just a wonderful life coach in general. And you've had a lot of success with some of your clients who, you know, you do a lot of video Skype um, coaching sessions. And so you can see the person and their energy. And you have really turned around a lot of people's health because you've noticed the same things and symptoms that you once had, right? Can you tell us a little bit about some of the success stories with suggesting paleo primal lifestyle to some of your clients? Yes. Um, first I would like to note that part of the reason why, um, I incorporate the diet is because we, we have a matrix that we're working with. And you can see this astrologically. You can see it in the chart. But we have a human matrix too. You know, we have our unique imprint, but we have the human imprint. And some of the things that all humans are dealing with are, they show up in the chart in a unique way for that person, but it's the same bigger issues. And one of the biggest issues that we have as humans is the um, not learning, not having healthy boundaries. So we're not taking, we're putting blocks up to things we really want, you know, like money and creativity and love and health. Sure. And then we're having like a free for all, no boundary in other areas of our lives. So for every even even a person who would consider themselves successful in certain areas of their lives. If you like, I know many people and this has, this was my imprint. 
So I, I call in a lot of this pattern, people who have always been um, successful with their career and with work and their education in that role, had the worst debacles of personal, usually romantic relationships imaginable. Sure. And so I, you know, in my own process of figuring out why do I have it like so much going on in, in these areas, but then like, this is so bad. It's making, it's making, it's taking from everything else. And that's when I came to understand about boundaries. That's when I came to understand about the, the intestines, specifically the small intestine is where we absorb 80% of our nutrients. And so Chinese medicine calls the energy of the small intestine, the, the organ of discernment, Interesting. It's discernment. Okay. So it decides, we decide, it decides basically what's going to be pooped out and what's going to be absorbed into the bloodstream. And that is, that's how it's related to boundaries because we have problems des- deciding what we're going to poop out of our energy fields and what we're going to do. <laughs> I, I love, I love the poop analogies. I could do those all day long. <laughs> I know. I just, I, it's something about working with nutrition that just poop gets mentioned. <laughs> I love it. No, that, know, that, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. So, so we've discovered then when you're eating anything other than a primal paleo type of diet, that the plaques and the things the, the parasites and the, um, fungus and, you know, everything develops in your small intestine and it blocks the absorption of the nutrients into the bloodstream. So basically these beasties, I call them, they, they eat, they take what they want from your nutrition and they leave you just enough to get by. Now, here's the hologram. I talk in my work so much about the holographic reality, right? So what's inside is outside, literally, literally. And what's, what, what is outside also becomes inside. So if, if inside we have beasties taking most of our, our juji, our juice, our vibrance, and leaving us just enough to get by, what do you think is going to happen in your personal relationships? Someone's going to come in to holographically reflect being the parasite, to not do their fair share, to use the vibrance that you have in other areas of your life for them to live, leaving you just enough to get by. How many people would say, gosh, I'm exhausted. I have just enough to get by, just enough money to get by, just enough love, like living on scraps of love and attention from people. I think the majority of the citizens in this country probably feel that way, you know, because the top five percenters are not feeling that way and the rest are feeling the paycheck to paycheck or the not enough of these areas. Yeah. Right, exactly. And now that doesn't mean that 100% of people that have this type of diet don't have any other problems. That's obviously not true. There's other factors, but the physiological factor is one of the huge pieces of the matrix. So if someone's doing deep inner spiritual work, like many people that I worked with over time because I was that person doing healing work and then having major, I mean, how many healers do you know or people doing healing work do you know that have major sugar addictions, have problems with weight, have problems with their intestines, have problems with every kind of thing and their relationships, but they can see the future. You know, they have this gift, right. but they, but it's like, so this path of the light workers has been to understand that doing just spiritual work is only one part of the holistic aspect of, or the holistic matrix. You know, we've got mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, physiological, you know, structural in the body, even how your bones with scoliosis or different, you know, um, one hip being higher than the other, you know, all of these things are connected to the patterns that we have. And, we have to work with all of them all at the same time. So if someone is on a paleo or primal diet, 
and they're also doing the emotional, mental, spiritual work, then there's nothing else holding them in the old matrix. So the diet becomes a huge component for people. People seek out my work because they resonate with the spiritual focus that I have. And so if they come to me saying, gosh, I'm doing all the spiritual work and I'm having all these problems still, we have to look at the areas of the matrix where it's still being held. And very often that's still in the diet. So you can have the greatest, highest consciousness that you want and you can connect to the angels and talk to whoever, the fifties or whatever, right? But if you're still eating in a way that doesn't um, shift the matrix, then you're being held by your old karma, by your old ancestral patterns that are negative. And when we talk about the gut, I mean, obviously you're a huge fan of probiotics. Obviously we yes. all, we all are. And that's kind of a start for some people. So for people listening, if you really want to start to try to heal your gut, whether you're still eating grains or not, the best move is to sort of introduce probiotics and start to clear out, like you said, the beasties, the, the good bacteria will fight against the bad. And I mean, probiotics have made such a difference in my life. I had never get sick. I, everyone yes. else gets sick, sick around me, and everyone I know that takes probiotics regularly has not gotten sick in years. And I've been around, you know, sick people with strep throat and whatnot, and I mean, my health has been so much better. So I'm a firm believer, and I know you are too. Yes, the probiotics are just necessary. Again, with the pooping, you have to, you have to incorporate certain aspects of your nutrition the same way, like when you, when you drink water, you pee. When you eat, you poop. We do these things, hopefully, every day. And you have to take probiotics every day because life saps the good bacteria. It's like it's like the the, the heroes and the villains of the world are playing their 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 war out in your intestines in the holographic reality. And the good bacteria are the heroes, and the bad bacteria are the villains. We always have to make sure that the heroes are in a much higher percentage because we're always going to have everyone will always have some of the villains in their intestines. But as long as there are enough heroes kind of kicking their butts then they're not going to be able to bring darkness into the world or, or your intestines or your, your body, you know? And so the ratios are very, are critical and it has to be replenished every day. No, I, I would agree with you. And it's an interesting perspective you have. And I like the spiritual aspect of this because it's some things that we don't really consider when it comes to gut health or just health in general. Yeah. The, the, a couple of other things that I believe are necessary, um, and the paleoprimal diets can cover this are the omegas. If I, I personally take high doses of the best quality fish oil that I've found. Yeah, I do too. You've got, I mean, we need those. We need to get them in the, in the diet through food, but some people, especially when you've been spending, we've been spending most of our lives in chronic inflammation. So even if we're several years out of it and we're feeling vibrant and doing well, we're still repairing and healing from the ravages of so much inflammation, just having an inflammation party, you know, unchecked for so long. Absolutely. And omegas, I mean, when I feel any kind of inflammation whatsoever, I go right to the omegas. And also, you know, we've spent a long time eating non-grass-fed meat, grain-fed, you know, improperly treated and cared for animals, and that throws off our fatty acid profile. So right. the more we consume those types of foods, the more it would behoove people to get with the program on fish oil. And in general, when we see things like 
high ferritin in someone's blood work or things that do indicate inflammation, a lot of times the protocol is to take high doses of krill oil or general fish oil, and it really does work with reducing those numbers. Yes, I bet it does. I, I don't know that specifically personally, but I know that it reduces inflammation. So, Yeah, so probiotics and omegas are huge for you and something I know you suggest to your clients. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the success stories because I know people have come to you and aside from the life coaching success stories, what are some of the paleo transformation stories with some of your clients? Well, they're nonstop, you know, they're, they're nonstop. Um, people losing weight, tremendous amounts of weight, people having any name your problem with inflammation and them going away, migraines, you know, skin problems, lots of people with psoriasis. Mm. Um, have been able to heal their psoriasis by going the route of primal paleo. Um, I see even things like osteoporosis. What? A lot of people are walking around with very weak bones, and they don't know it until they break a bone. Right. So when you have your minerals out of balance, there's uh, problems with bone loss. And um, so I, I've seen improvements in that, which are measurable through the DEXA. You know, sure. and um, emotional things, you know, if you if you people underestimate the effects of sugar levels on their body, on their lives and their experiences. So if someone has spikes, eats food, that's, um, spike their blood sugar and then it goes down and their and their blood sugar is going up and down and up and down, then your emotions are going to go up and down and up and down and you're going to be very unstable emotionally and mentally. I've seen a massive amount of people with what would be di- you know, um, labeled as mental illness. I think all humans have mental illness. <laughs> but, there's, there's an element somewhere of everyone's got to overcome something <laughs> throughout yeah, their life. Yeah, exactly. But like whatever, you know, the labels that people want to call these things, which may or may not be accurate for each person, but massive amounts of people I have seen, um, have changed their, their diagnosis. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, because, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people get misdiagnosed as like bipolar or depressed because there are these highs and lows. And when you're a sugar burner or addicted and you're on that cycle, you know, you go nuts when the sugar drops. I mean, I've gotten so angry, aggro. I've got to like run into a grocery store. I was all ticked off. Like, get me some food now. That's kind of how it feels when you're in that hypoglycemic type of, you know, wheel of up and down and up and down, which is, you know, paleo primal life and getting fat adapted using fat as your primary fuel versus glucose changes the way you act. It, yes. it, it leads to such a calmer life. There are so less ups and downs. And it really, the biggest thing for me and for a lot of the other success stories with the Primal Blueprint is releasing food addictions. I could yeah. not stop thinking about food, Annie. It was a disaster. I thought, why me? Why is everyone else not having problems like this? I'm, I'm always obsessed thinking about the next meal. And now I kind of don't think about it very much. It's a very strange transition once you make it. It's a freedom that is beyond joy. You know, I agree. (laughs) I've seen the same for myself and for other people. And that's it. It's like we have more to do than just be obsessed with things outside of ourselves for happiness. And that's what a sugar addiction winds up being. You know, so when we're eating to take care of our body temple, to nurture our body temple and give, give it the fuel that it needs, that's a totally different energy and life experience than a food addiction, which is like, I'm not happy until I eat that. Then I eat it. Now I'm happy. Now I'm unhappy again. I need to eat that. Now right. I'm happy. <laughs> right. 
that is a painful cycle to be on. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's get in a little bit about your coaching. Um, you're such a great coach. You have a different, I've coached with other people before and have, have really benefited, but you have such a natural intuition about people on top of your background in astrology, which is a night, an interesting, neat thing to kind of throw into the mix. But tell us a little bit about your approach to life coaching and helping clients with achieving their dreams and manifesting their goals, etc. Tell us why you might differ than other coaches out there. Well, um, I don't really know what any other, most other coaches focus on. You know, I have um, received guidance and wisdom from many people who are coaches more because they're my friends, you know, and sure. like you said, we all need, we, we have something that comes up sometimes that needs the wisdom or some information from someone else. But so I don't know how I differ, but I can tell you what I do. Yeah. And my focus is on helping people understand the holographic nature of the universe. Because when we understand that what is it like really understand it, not just intellectually like, yeah, okay. Quantum physics tells us that the smaller you move into a particle, um, the same imprint is there. It's the same stuff. No matter how small they go, they say, okay, we got this small. Let's break it down and get even smaller. The smaller, smaller, smaller they go, the more they find that the blueprint for the whole is in the very smallest piece. Right. And they keep trying to break it down through linear accelerators, et cetera. And they keep finding like, hey, particle, particle, particle. It, they keep trying to find the one it keeps getting broken down. And with holograms, right, you could take a holographic image, like let's say even a holographic bookmark, and you could cut it into a thousand pieces, but each piece has the full image within it. So that's exactly. sort of an analogy to give to everybody. Exactly. I love that. So beautifully said. And so when, so if you really think about applying that to your life, to the world's problems, my approach with individuals, with couples, with families, with businesses, with communities, with the world is understanding how what we do to ourselves affects the entire world. So like, for instance, even people, it's very easy for people to blame someone for their problems. So they might blame someone they're in a relationship with, or on a bigger level, we might blame the government or a particular political leader. And my focus is saying that, look at how you are like what you do not like. We always see a reflection. It's always the case. I mean, there was even a great audio book about that called, I think, The Shadow Effect or something, where, you know, when let's say we look at someone and we say, oh, that person's, you know, a murderer, or that person's this, or we label someone in a negative way, we can really look at that and go, well, hold on a second. What, what is it about a murderer that would make them do that? Maybe someone who's lonely, maybe who's someone who's depressed. I mean, we can all identify with a component of everything that we don't like, right? Exactly. And that, to me, is more fruitful than blame because blame is associated with shame and guilt. And that is the cycle that humanity has been on, which has created the experiences that we've had. But when you ramp up your consciousness to see the bigger picture and understand the holographic reality, then you can really see like, okay, this person, I'm mad at this person because I feel dot, dot, dot. I feel abandoned. I feel neglected. I feel disrespected. And that seems to be a theme in someone's life as it is in many people's lives. So we ask the question, first of all, where are you disrespecting and not acknowledging um, other people 
Right. And where are you disrespecting and not acknowledging yourself? And so many people were born to into these circumstances where their self-care was last on a list of all these other priorities, not realizing that we are the world. We are the whole. So if we're if we're concerned that the earth is not is is not sustainably uh, is not sustainable, then we have to look to our fields and say, well, how how are we not sustainable? How is how we're living not sustainable? And where do we go? Right back to the diet, because anything but this diet in many ways, like I said, there's exceptions for different people and I want to leave room for that. But if your diet is not sustainable, your energy field is not going to be sustainable. If your energy field is not sustainable, the world is not going to be sustainable. Right. And if anyone actually is really interested in looking at sort of the whole, the science behind how we are literally all one, that's been proven in uh, quantum physics. And actually a physicist named Nassim Harriman has a great movie called Black Hole. That's W-H-O-L-E for the whole, Black Hole. And it's basically just a lecture by a prominent physicist who's been awarded by his fellow physicists who finally proved and has all of the scientific evidence that we are all connected and we are really all one. And if anyone's interested in the science behind that, go check out that movie, Black Hole. It's one of my favorites because it kind of continually re-inspires me when the science is kind of matching what I'm feeling. So that's just something I wanted to throw out to the audience if they're more interested on that topic. I love it. It's fascinating. I love it all. You know, I love this approach because there is nothing in anyone's life, no problems. And I see over the time I've been do, working with individuals and plus my own bizarre life, I have seen every kind of problem imaginable. And there is no problem that you can't use this approach to make headway in and change the reflections. Because if this is true that what you are inside keeps getting cast out into your world as your personal individual experience, then when you shift what's inside, then then it shifts what is outside of you. And it doesn't necessarily change people, right? Many people are going to still do what they're going to do, but how they engage with you, how you, and most importantly, how you experience them is the key to freedom. Another one of these keys to freedom is how you're experiencing what's going on around you. Like there are some things going on in the world that someone has a really big charge about. Well, someone else doesn't have as much of a charge. A charge equals not joy. <laughs> right. That is not being happy when you're charged up and ticked off about something that's not. Yeah. Yeah. And even having a strong, positive opinion about something, not leaving room for something else still creates a charge. Anything charged is going to pull to it. It's, it's opposite. So it's very important to consider that. So the more we can dissolve the charge, then the, the less we have antagonistic factors showing up in our lives in ways that make us unhappy or uncomfortable. Yeah. And let's just, we t- you touched on it briefly, but let's talk about the blame for a second. So, you know, when we, when we blame others, then we also put ourselves in a state of being a victim, right? Which is, yeah. I can't control this situation because so-and-so is making me feel this way or because so-and-so, that's why I'm here. And living a life like that, is going down a real bad spiral staircase to negativity, isn't it? Can you just share a little bit about what you would tell someone? You know, if they kept calling, you sense this person was just blaming everybody and everything for their circumstances currently in life. How would you talk with someone about that level of blame and victimhood? Because I think a lot of people do 
feel that way. And you know, that's a helpless position. Once you really get out of that and realize you create your own reality and everything around you is a result of what you are putting out there, you can really change it. But you know, until I realized that I also was living in a world for many years where I felt that not only was I not controlled, but these other people were somehow or things were responsible for my current life. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yes, it's perfect. The victim-tyrant polarity is one of the most epic epidemics that humans are encountering. I mean, that that is one of our biggest problems as as a race. And we now the people that usually wind up calling me are generally just because most people that connect with me are either people that have know me already from working with me or people that see me through my YouTube videos. So most people who are just in such a complete state of not being open to the fact that they're doing something that's, you know, co-creating this, they're not generally the ones calling me. They have to have some openness because there's just not a resonance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They might say, oh, well, it's a bunch of crap. I don't resonate with her. I want to go. I want to go listen to someone that's complaining and talking about doom and gloom, you know? Right. So people that wind up calling are ha- are waking up to the consciousness that, wow, there's something I'm doing that's affecting my life. Therefore, there's something I can do to affect my life. Right. The the, the disempowerment in that lies the seed of empowerment is the awareness that, that we are doing something, but then we can do something. So it happens that when I speak to someone there in the areas that they don't have this blame thing going on, they don't have the problems. But any problems in your life can be rooted back to you blaming somebody. So as long as you think, and this is very associated with the topic of debt, where guilt and thinking someone owes you something equals debt. And this often winds up turning into financial debt. Mm. And why debt is so prevalent in the world, I believe, from the holographic perspective, is because guilt is so prevalent, so for instance, and what a useless emotion guilt is, right? It's using right. it to create something you don't want. It's, it's, it, let's talk about that. If I were to like guilt is, it's kind of a useless emotion and it's one that's going to propel you into something negative anyway. Let's talk about guilt for a minute. Why is guilt just a useless emotion in your opinion? <laughs> well, before we talk about why it's a useless emotion, let's talk about the association with blame because that's where we started. And that's the relationship where the blame and shame and guilt are united. Mm-hmm. There's, they're always in the same. So if you think that someone should have done something better, then you think they should feel guilty. Right. Okay. And if someone thinks you should do better, then they're trying to make you feel guilty. And sometimes you consciously feel guilty. The rest of the time it's unconscious, but it's the guilt where you think, did I do something? Could I have done better? Even if you say, even if you call their bluff and say out loud, it's not my fault. How much of that do you believe? You know, we're ingrained to experience this and it is a useless emotion but at the same time it can be a useful emotion because if you're feeling it then you know that this is the root of your problems because as long as you think that someone else owes you something then you're going to have in the holographic reality someone else tapping you in the shoulder saying hey you owe me this right and it's just constant it's constant and so and this so forgiveness is the key And this isn't just intellectual forgiveness, like, oh, yeah, you're right. My body is being harmed because I'm mad still. And now I'm going to forgive. And now it's that easy. You know, sometimes we get to a point where something clicks and and it does become that easy. But viscerally, 
we are holding on to anger at our parents, anger at the way things are, anger at, you know, circumstances, anger at people misusing authority is a huge one, which begets the tyrant victim, you know, pattern again. Right. So it's all, I believe all emotions are useful in the way that they indicate what the problem is. Exactly. Right. If you're aware of it, like I can go, wait a minute, I'm kind of feeling guilty right now, but it's the people that aren't aware of it that are just letting their emotions subside. So I guess the first place to start really for everyone initially is kind of start to examine your thoughts and beliefs throughout the day and just start to put attention on what your thoughts are and start to examine like, what am I feeling? And if you're not feeling happy and, and wonderful, then there's something there to look at, right? Just as the process of just starting to be aware is where to start with this. Absolutely. And you can see it's always an indicator that the more strongly you feel charged about something, like even if it seems like a positive thing, like we we would call righteous indignation. Like if I were to say, all people should be on a a paleo primal diet, otherwise they're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And you know that there are people within the community that have a righteous indignation to the point where it can turn into condemnation, which is like completely contrary. So, and that's, and that's not a judgment on someone in that position. This is just we're all as humans dealing with some aspect of charge in our lives. But that's actually a really great point I want to throw out there because a lot of times when you move over to this way of living and obviously people have so many great results with it and then you kind of want to try to help other people, it can become a scenario where you kind of start to notice yourself, like you said, a positive condemnation, like trying to convince people or being like, come on, this is right, this is right, you're doing it wrong. And it it really comes from a place of being excited and wanting to share it, but it can go over into what you're talking about. And that is something to be aware of. You know, I definitely had moments like that myself where, you know, I'd walk by someone eating grains and I would just like be shaking my head. But, but, you know, then I'd have to stop and go, well, hold on a second. I was once that person who didn't know better either. And there's no judgment here. It just is the way it is. And if I can help people, that's great. But it's hard sometimes when you're so excited about something and you want to push out a message, but it's a good thing to really realize because that message is never going to get across, right? When it's delivered in that way anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. People will be more um, receptive to what you say when you don't have a charge either way. Like this is something that I believe is the truth, but if someone believes something else, then I don't have a particular charge. Now there are aspects of my life that I do have a charge to, (laughs) right? We're all working this out, but that's what that's what is is good as a daily practice is to move through. And maybe I don't personally have a TV, but when I'm visiting relatives, a TV comes on and that often brings up a lot of charged things. But so you can move through your day and say, wow, that's going on. Okay. But if it moves from that's going on to, oh, what a shame or, oh, that's terrible. Then it's like, okay, some things are terrible, but that guttural, visceral, like, that's terrible is hurting your body. And that is a charge. And that is creating antagonistic factors in your life to be stuck to you like glue. So I have people all the time write to me, write posts, have sessions saying, I just can't seem to stop attracting this and this and this. Well, you have a strong charge consciously or unconsciously, sometimes both to certain things. Like if you're the person who does more than your fair share, which, you know, there are a lot of go-getters and we all know who we are mm-hmm. who would say, wow, I'm doing everything I can to be so responsible, right? Well, if you see someone that you think being irresponsible, then it would be easy to say, 
be judgmental and say, well, they're being irresponsible. But what I've noticed is that if someone is attracting irresponsible people, it's showing them in the holographic reality that they are being irresponsible with aspects of their lives. And we're not talking about the things that they say, well, no, I'm being completely responsible. I do this, 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 and this. It's not those things. It's the other things. It's the places where you're not being responsible. And usually that has to do with emotional inner work, not being emotionally responsible, not being responsible with the diet. You know, there's always going to be an aspect to each supercharged responsible person where they're not bringing again, back to the discernment, back to the small intestine, back to all of this. If you're not bringing that balance and applying the responsibility, like taking a little bit off of where it doesn't need to be, it's excessive and putting some of that responsibility over on the side of managing your emotions, managing your undealt with um, feelings, you know, managing your diet, managing your craving, managing your addictions behind every person who has a charge anywhere, they're attracting the opposite charge and it's, and it's the bane of their existence. Yeah. And you know, the charge situation, like you said, even if it's like in a positive direction or it's not something that you're upset about, but you're just charged up about, it is unhealthy. I mean, every time you get charged up, even if you're, you know, watching Fox News, getting charged up about something, I know a lot of people do that every evening. And the thing is, is that you are releasing hormones that are not help healthy for you during those moments. You know, someone cuts you off in a car and if you just sit there and having some road rage by yourself, you are releasing cortisol and hormones. You don't need to be releasing at that time that are not healthy. And, you know, I started to get a little bit more aware of that. So when that would happen, let's say, you know, you get kind of get stunned if someone cuts you off in a car or something like that, and you can kind of feel it in your gut, you, you got shaken up a bit. I kind of consciously breathe through and make myself get out of that as quickly as possible, because I know if I stay in it, it's going to be continually re releasing things that are not healthy for me. So it's, it's physically bad to be stressed yeah. out and charged up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's, and, and if anything's bad on any level for you, it's going to be bad on every level for you. So there again, with the charge and yeah. the hologram and the matrix and all of these dimensions of reality. So in my approach to life coaching, to teaching, I, I, I offer the suggestion of responsibility and accountability to be, um, very carefully looked at. I like that. And let's talk about, or just would you tell everyone a little bit about your Shine program? Yes, I love my Shine program. Ah, it's a 28-day virtual coaching program. And I had been wanting to create something that, you know, I've cre I'm in a situation now where there's, there's more demand for my, my personal one-on-one -on -one time than I can fulfill. And but there are people that still want to be helped by the things that I figured out. And so for a while, as this has been happening, I've needed to create something where the things that I found out can be in a program where I don't have to be actually physically present, where more people can access it and where I can make it on a sliding scale so that there's no, nobody getting blocked out from accessing the work. So shine helps to systematically go through all the things uh, that I have seen after looking at um, thousands of astrological charts, working with thousands of clients over 13 years. I've been able to see the commonality behind what people are asking for help with and then addressing those concerns in the 28-day virtual coaching program, which has podcasts, it has videos, it has life style tip suggestions. 
It has um, emotional freedom technique, EFT, tapping to clear blocks. It has all manner of spiritual and, and other mental, emotional exercises that help to clear out basically the things that are stopping you from shining. We are, we all benefit when we are shining and we are bringing our brilliance. So the program is intended to help you bring your brilliance and, and how this relates back to astrology is that, you know, people who have become aware of the fact that the stars are affecting us start to feel more disempowered sometimes by saying, what's going to happen next? What transit is happening? That's going to throw me around like a rag doll, right? And then they start, they look to astrology to see whether they're going to have a good or bad month. And that is completely contrary to empowerment and contrary to my work. And probably some negative self-fulfilling prophecies, right? So if you see a horoscope and it says this is a bad day, you might project that into your reality, right? So that's also not necessarily the best way to design your month is to rely completely on a astrology segment. Right, exactly. And the framing it, framing it is what makes sense. Now, we want to put a label on something that's challenging as bad. And I am always saying, okay, this is challenging. That's not necessarily bad. Sometimes we need the power of the aspect that is challenging. By aspect, I mean mathematical connection to um, that planets have to one another. It's called an aspect. Astrology is a science and all science is based in math. So the angles that the planets make to one another affect the, the, the way that they present in the world. And the challenging angles, which are 90 degree angles, 180 degree angles are two of the angles that when they come in the sky, it makes tension. It makes antagonism, you know, but those are the things that sometimes we need to break loose an old pattern. So if you're using something that some, someone would consider bad as something as a tool, then is it really bad? Yeah, and you know, all the challenges I've had that seemed at the time like, oh my God, this is horrible. Why is this happening to me? Was later on the best gift ever given to me ever. Absolutely. It took me maybe eight months or a year to see that, but literally that has been the case. So it's like, I know when something challenging happens, right. instead of looking at it as a negative, it's like, all right, thank you. This could be, we never, you never know where this is going to lead us. Exactly. And so that's how I frame the transits in my YouTube horoscopes is say, okay, this is happening here. Wow. That could be challenging. That could feel uncomfortable. What can you use it for? You know, and, and what you want to use it for is to strengthen your field because ultimately I believe that astrological transits that are challenging test weak links. Right. And you know, your astrology, so Annie Botticelli, if anyone wants to go to YouTube, type in Annie Botticelli, B-O-T-T-I-C-E-L-L-I. Sorry, did yes. I get that right? And yes. um, you can just look up your, your horoscope. I have found that, you know, when I've looked at some of those, yours is so much more comprehensive. That's why we're talking. That's why I even eventually got some coaching from you. Your, even your videos, even though you're detailing astrology aspects, there is such a deep sense of coaching and intuition that other people don't have who do what you do. It's definitely a unique combination. And the way that I view the world and view life is, is different. And it's not, it's not for everybody, you know, but the people it's for, it's really Four. And so we're building this community of like-minded people who want to take an active role in their destiny. And that's what the Shine program is all about, because the more you voluntarily clear up your weak links, the less you have to be hazed by every single transit that comes. And that doesn't mean that death isn't going to happen. That doesn't mean disaster and challenges aren't ever going to happen because you do inner work. It means that unnecessary things 
Unnecessary drama that is being created to show you a weak link doesn't have to happen if that's not a weak link. And the on the flip side of that, positive transits. I often have, you know, when I love Jupiter, I'm Sag, so I love Jupiter as my ruling planet. It's like, it makes me light up like crazy when I talk about Jupiter. <laughs> it doesn't have negative aspects as well. It does. But when it, wherever Jupiter is in, in a chart, in a sector of your life, field of experience, it brings expansion. It brings just like luck and benevolence and optimism and just juji, good juji, you know? So I have people write sometimes and say, gosh, I have not been feeling that expansion in this field of experience and it's been going on. So what happens when we have these unresolved issues within is that even the positive transits, you can't soak them up. Because you're, you have holes in your aura, you have holes in your energetic field. So if you imagine, like we'll use a sack of grain, because grain is like <laughs> what all the time, right? If you're, if you're a sack of grain and you have slit, someone slit the back and you're, and you're walking around or someone's carrying the sack of grain, it's spilling all the grain, which represents your life force energy out. Okay, so, so imagine yourself as this electromagnetic field. And there's a dynamic exchange. Energy is coming in, energy is coming out. So the energy in the cosmos is beaming down on your field. So we'll say a Jupiter transit, right? Um, a positive Jupiter, Jupiter transit. It's, it's beaming these potentials in your field. Well, what happens when you have all these unresolved issues, these weaknesses, these lack of boundaries in certain areas, is that that Jupiter energy is just just sifting right out of your field. And it doesn't store and gather to, to project out of your field in the form of big manifestation. That's why so many people, even if they feel the energy like, oh, something good's coming, then when it comes, it's like, oh, it wasn't as big as it could have been, or it's good, but it's like, seemed like it was gonna be better. It's that energy fizzles when your field is not strong enough to support that type of a manifestation. Well, and that makes sense too, because if you are examining all these areas, then you are really opening up the world for those probabilities, right? We're, exactly. we're talking about they the quantum physics, you know, whatever terms, but the field of probabilities that are out there, whether it's regarding a planet's energy or whether it's regarding a probability elsewhere, you're not able to tap into it probably because you're being blocked by all of these other areas. Is that what you're Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. And the general probability d- gets diminished by your personal probability. And I really love that you use that word because I use it all the time. That's why I don't, even though I'm intuitive and I very often will say this is going to happen and know exactly when it's going to happen and it happens, is because, and I don't, I don't call myself a psychic, is because these we're dealing with probabilities, you know right, and if we want it to collapse into one of these probabilities, either the intention has to be there before you know we have to intend that, but also if you're feeling yucky in all these other areas, the right, then your energy is not really going to soak that up. Exactly. So if I look at something and say, "Wow, that's a really strong chance that that's going to happen," then maybe that's ninety percent, right? Maybe that's ninety-five percent. Sure. Well, if what that manifestation is, isn't an accurate reflection of what you have inside, it's not going to happen because it can't. It's not consistent with the holographic law. It's law. It's a universal law. Right. And again, like I mean, anyone can go look this up on the internet and science is really in the past five, 10 years, but especially in the past five years, science has come so far in actually confirming a lot of these quote, hippy dippy concepts that people think are, ah, yeah, that's just, uh, that's, you know, whatever. It's just all nonsense. But, you know, science is 
really proving it. And so if anyone's interested, they can just look up quantum physics and probabilities and um, do a little research. Yes. And Bruce, the work of Bruce Lipton is also really amazing. Oh, he's great. He wrote a book called The Biology of Belief and a couple of others, right, that are really fascinating. And he's a, a doctor who has really connected that mind-body, right? Yes, absolutely. It's just... It's all there, you know, and that goes back to perspective. How you see things is what you are open to experience. And if you don't leave room for magic in there, then you're not going to experience magic. Right. And I think, I don't know who it was, maybe Dr. Wayne Dyer was quoting someone else, but, you know, when you change the way you look at the things, the things you look at change. Exactly. Right? That is the whole point of all of this. And that's, and we see that astrologically as well, you know, because you can you can see how people look at things, their range of potentials, because your rising sign is is like your glasses that you put on when you wake up. And um, and so there's a positive end of the range of your rising sign and a negative end. And if you're coming in in the negative end, you can shift it to the positive end. You know, so even within your scope of how you wind up seeing things, there's so much room in there. Absolutely. Trusting. This has been great. It's almost been like an entirely life coaching session for everyone listening, a little mini life coaching session. Before we wrap it up here, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Oh, I think that with your questions, you covered all of the, the things that are, are most often on my mind and heart and in my field. Well, we're glad you're going to continue on the paleo primal path and so glad you're a part of it because, you know, even though people might not be coming to you directly for paleo coaching, you know enough to help them and also you have the personal experience and then it's just more comprehensive of, of a coaching. You know, a lot of life coaches do not address diet. So yes. I think that that's really amazing. So if anyone's interested in getting in touch with Annie, you can go to aspiritualspark.com and check out her Shine program. You can also go to YouTube and look up Annie Botticelli, B-O-T-T-I-C-E-L-L-I, if you're interested in checking out some of her astrology YouTube videos. It's been so great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a wonderful day. And you too. You too. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Primal listeners, how would you like to access all your favorite Primal-approved foods and household goods for a fraction of the cost? Well, you can, just by visiting a new online shopping club called Thrive Market, where you can grab all your wholesome favorites at 25 to 50% off retail prices. And from April 29th to May 6th, you can take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime promotion. Order anything from Thrive Market between these dates and you'll receive a two-month free membership, $10 off your first order, a $10 coupon to PrimalBlueprint.com, and four digital books, including the best-selling Primal Blueprint Healthy Sauces, Dressings, and Toppings Cookbook, and two brand-new publications written by Mark Sisson. Visit MarksDailyApple.com slash Thrive to learn how to claim your free gifts today, because this kind of deal only happens once. Yes.